Hi, my name is Judith, also known as Jay. And I'm Elizabeth, but you can call me Bleggy. And we are The Fit, the podcast where we talk about developments in fashion tech and innovation in retail. We also take you on our journey as we build eFitter, a tech company focused on personalising the shopping experience for the modern woman. To keep up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe to The Fit Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would also like to keep you posted on all things eFitter, so do follow us on socials at eFitter app and join the conversation using the hashtag TheFitPod. This is our 60 second roundup where we try to summarise what is going on in the world of fashion and tech in 60 seconds. Earlier this week, we posted about Hanifa's pivot from physical models to CGI fabrication. We asked you whether you think digital fashion is just a fad or here to stay, and it looks like you think it's not going anywhere. Although the founder initially intended for this to be a passion project, it looks like draping garments on digital models may well look like the future of fashion. Late last year, fintech founders Ken Price and Steve French established their ethically made apparel brand in Manchester. Blake Mill is an ethically sourced brand with designs spanning a variety of eclectic themes. What makes Blake Mill unique is their combined expertise in complex data systems to understand consumer behavior and predict buying patterns. Kate Hudson's athleisure brand, Fabletics, is launching in menswear with Kevin Hart as the face of Fabletics Men. The new sub-brand aims to cater to guys that the older performance brands have left behind. Athleisure has traditionally been a female-dominated industry, with Fabletics being a women-only brand since its launch in 2013. So watch this space to see how menswear disrupts this traditionally female space. When we think of underwear, we normally think of lingerie like Fenty or Victoria's Secret. Just Wears is disrupting the stale men's underwear industry by redesigning boxes to create a palace for your phallus. They recently pitched their business idea on Dragon's Den, which can be watched on BBC iPlayer. We recorded this episode at the Just Wears headquarters. Today we're here with Yang Liu, co-founder of Just Wears, the brand giving men everywhere underwear that the balls deserve. So we wanted to just jump straight into the conversation, really. The brand is all about giving men their underwear that the their balls deserve. It's really hard <laughs> to say that. The underwear their balls deserve. So, how did Just Wears come about for you? Uh, so, that's a lot of people ask me that question. Yeah. Uh, if you really are answer, well, you think about all this like the clothing female wearing, the genius behind that, always a man, uh, a very talented male designer. Mm. Why can't we just reverse that dynamic, right? Mm. Like why women cannot create something that's so comfortable for, for men? So absolutely, I generally try to make a really strong point there is that we should not have this gender bias on who should do what. Instead, everyone is capable to whatever to do whatever they believe. But how do I get into underwear specifically? Um, I was an investor before looking at like consumer technology company across the whole Europe. And I was fortunate to invest into some really talented and well-doing business in London. And definitely find this trend is in the US, like digital native brands has been disrupting traditional retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, like think about Dollar Shaver Clubs, like uh, Harris, the Razors, and the Wabi Parker, the sunglasses, uh, the glasses company. But there's a very few company doing really well in the UK with a similar business. Even they do, there are more female product focus. Uh, but you think about what it is 
most under innovative industry for men, what is most underserving product for men that coming down to underwear because that is the only product they wear every single day mm-hmm. and every day through the year. But what we know is the brand is Common Klein, Mark Spencer's, and all these brands are more like paying a lot of attention to a really sexy hot model mm. but doesn't really talk about the functionality of the pants itself mm. uh, I feel there are some market gaps that we can come up with something rather than focus on how gorgeous the model look like we focus on how comfortable how functional the underwear itself to provide to the man so how did you get insights into how comfortable underwear is? Because um, you know you mentioned how a lot of the female underwear companies are designed by men, and we complain about how like uncomfortable bras are, for example. So how did you get an insight into the advancement that needs to be made in that industry? Um, so this come down to like a hundreds, hundreds like a in person interview with men and uh, and uh, loads of a beard like a. Uh, getting people drunk to chat about (laughs) to be open to be comfortable to talk about the real problem they have so i probably before we launched the product we had we did like around 200 like in-person interview with customers and we have this community that was 2000 people generally friends family and the early adopter who love this idea on a closed facebook group so every time when we have any product update or sample testing they will be the first one to figure out give us immediate feedback to say mm-hmm. oh if this work or not work so that having that first hand touch with a customer really helped us to understand if there is a need for this product we're developing. Along the journey of Just Wears, I, I know before it was actually called Joey Wears. Yeah. Run us through like how did you face the issue of obviously rebranding and why that came about and how you guys, as an already established brand, didn't let that I guess deter you from from functioning. Yeah, so Joey Wears is a name we started with because of the function we created you probably know that the unique selling point of our brand is we invented this pouch to separate men's package mm-hmm. to give them ultra comfort and ergonomic fit. Um, it, the reason we shifted the brand name is because uh, uh, a Chinese guy trademarked our uh, name uh, before we actually have the capital to invest into trademark. That's a whole backstory behind there. and. Uh, this coming down to a really expensive like a lesson for every startup founder on the high side we should have protected our trademark better and then sooner once we mm. we create like an online presence yeah. but on the reality side is every business start with very limited budget you really have to you didn't we didn't even know if this there gonna be a product market fit before we decide to invest like uh, almost a couple thousands into the trademark so at that time it was a really difficult decision to uh decide should we give up a name or should we really spend another two years on legal costs mm-hmm. to getting that trademark back uh eventually we feel we were still quite small at that time and only uh, probably a handful of people know us from uh, kickstarter we still are 
fairly new for the larger audience, and it's important. We we have that kind of chance to rebrand, starting as a fresh new brand. Uh, from there, so we did that whole rebranding practice. The good thing we did is we actually go back to the community we already have to say, be a hundred percent transparent with them, telling them this is what we went through,、mm-hmm. and this is what we need to do, and we need your help for coming up with more brand name that you feel it fit into our brand personality. And that not only gave、uh, sympathy from the community we have, also increase the engagement with the customer we already have, and we have over seven hundred names proposed by this group of people just in、wow. one week's time. It was really amazing, and the name now just wears is actually five people said, "Your underwear is so comfortable. Every man just wear it." And it's just like, oh, oh wow, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's a whole、really、story.、Nice. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so talking about the community. So when you launched, you mentioned briefly that you had the crowdfund campaign that was very successful, and part of that success was driven from your marketing technique. So、um, for people who aren't aware, I'm just going to just find the website actually. Like they're very open and very brazen about the way that they describe their underwear. So、um, we know that. Victoria's Secret and the like—they use sex to sell underwear, but it's quite unusual. Well, on the same extreme, to see it with men's underwear. You mentioned Calvin Klein and whatever, but it's more so the women who are buying into that. So, what made you take the direction of going more suggestive in terms of your marketing technique? We were thinking about how can we stand out differently. We look at the key problem here in our businesses. There is no product inf- innovation for other high street brands. For ages, the underwear has been known for just a piece of piece of like a cotton-made flat-fronted underwear that chafing, rise up, all this functional problem. And on the other side is for the customer side is there are actually more serious like a men's well-being issue that. Is under addressing. Like people are shy away from talking about men's infertility because、mm-hmm. sperm temperature went higher, and、uh, they feel shy away to talk about testicular cancer. Testicular cancer. I have problems on that. But we want to. This is a really serious topic. Like people just generally feel like, oh, I'm not ready to talk about that. But if we think. Like shifted the dialogue by talking something really fun, giving really strong sense of humor, make people feel this brand is very light, very chill with all this topic. They will feel more comfortable to be opened up to engage with a brand. So that sense of straightforward humor we are creating here not only identify us as a unique branding. But also lower the entry bar for people to talk about the issue actually has been existing for the industry or for the society for some years. We ultimate goal of Justwear is we're not only creating a best quality, most comfortable underwear for men. We also create a safe environment, a safe community for people to aware all this issue around the men. Uh, that is the impact we're looking at. We can certainly contribute.
Going back to something you said actually earlier about having an innovative tech solution, how did that come about? Like, How did you go about solving the problem with men and their underwear without background in garment technology? That's a great question because when I first started, I really literally have no information, no knowledge about fashion, manufactured, undergarment materials like uh, fabrics. It took me around uh, 10 months to do like multiple trips and I self-taught myself how to do uh, like flat tack design. Basically it's putting together of like uh, the most uh, basic design on paper. Uh, that taught me that so long you believe in that, we're absolutely capable to self-learning. That's one thing. And the second thing on that is uh, we, after doing this intensive research, uh, we have realized there is a huge, huge demand for sustainable clothing. And there's a huge demand for uh, alternative of cotton or jeans or this polluted fabric. And the technology we're talking here, not just like tech tech on the computer side, there's also a really serious like the R&D technology happened on the fabric side. And we, we were set it up to try to tackle these two problems at the same time. So rather than using the traditional fabric, we actually invented our own fabric that is made of tree fiber. Wow. And it basically it's biodegradable compared with any other materials. It's work like a, we know like a synthetic fabric is absolutely polluted, and the process of pro- producing cotton is another polluted mm-hmm. like Definitely. topic. Yeah. But we spend like a, I traveled around like four countries just to find a piece of sustainable biodegradable fabric that we can actually use mm-hmm. for undergarment. So that is a real material side. And on the tech side is more as like a customer now become more and more picky and when they shop, our generation shop more conscious rather than just buy for the cheap one. Mm-hmm. We make sure like we build a technology to understand your personality, your personal information and your preference much better so we can recommend you with more customized recommendation choice rather than just general uh, feed you more and more product. We are not encouraging over consuming. We're not encouraging like uh, buying cheap. But in the meantime, we make sure we produce quality product at an affordable price. You actually have a co-founder, right? Yeah. Yeah, so how, what was the journey in terms of building the company and getting a co-founder? Was that from the beginning? Was that through? And just building the team in general? Um, so as you probably know, that I came to London five years ago with nothing but my broken Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it's really difficult to build a business in a new country knowing very limited resources and the network. Uh, I'm really fortunate to have a co-founder, which also is my life partner, uh, that giving me that support, not just uh, workspace, also mental space. It's yeah. like we are in this game together. I'm not just alone here. 
Um, I before he joined me, I run the business for a short period of time all by myself. I know it could be really lonely, and uh, especially like there are so many social bias against female immigrants trying to run a business, and the resource we can get is a uh, relatively like a uh, smaller than other group people. So I, if anyone was thinking to start a business, I think it's so important to find a, another person or even another more people to stand by who can compliment you, not just on the skill set, but also on a mental health side. Because fundamentally, it's a long journey of running a business. We need to make sure our mental like well-being is taken care of before we're taking care of other people's problems. Nice. Just nice. on that though, um, I'm just curious, how do you manage that? So you know you're working with your life partner, yeah. so when you go home, how does the work-life balance it? In the beginning, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like we actually come to a point where it was so intense, we were questioning should we continue doing this or not? And uh, we were even questioning, just being totally honest, is if this actually if this relationship gonna work. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you realize the good thing about starting a business with your life partner is you already have fundamental trust there, and uh, that trust is unbreakable or less easy to be break compared with any co-founder you met through friends or different yeah. scenario. Uh, we are much stronger when we're facing problem together and because uh, I never worry if I were ever being stepped on my back or if there any bad situation we heard so many times from other medias. That fundamental trust makes us have more commitment to go through the hard time and we a solution for that is we had this conversation probably a half year after we're working together is this doesn't work work we need a change how can we change this we have a two rule like one rule is at the workspace we have a specific rule uh responsibility like i take care of marketing creative design product he take care of finance operation uh uh, like a manufacturer, everything with a number is taken care of by him, everything with creative is taken care of by me. That makes sure we don't step on each other. Mm-hmm. That also makes the team feel, oh, if I need uh, approval for creative, I go to Young. If I need a finance uh, approval, I go to Alex. Team will feel much more clear with the structure. And second rule on the personal thing is, once we leave the office, we don't talk about work. Absolutely not talking about work. <laughs> and uh, we have to switch our mind. And uh, we actually end up spending more time at home just chilling, relaxing, re- gaining energy than going out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a good That's balance. A good, I know, right? Really good balance. That's really cool. Very rare, though. <laughs> it is hot. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But that's nice. Just to wrap up, um, so we've got a bit of an overview of the way that you run Just Wears and the vision in terms of you know sustainability and being tech forward and innovative, which is great. So I guess the question is, what's next for Just Wears? Where do you see it going in the next five, ten years? Five, ten years, like uh, I absolutely have this ambition to scale up this brand globally. 
think about how we grew up with Mark Spencer's. That's like a household name, like yeah. for for British person. I would love Procedent Justwear to grow to be our generation's like household brand, who are not talking about like pro- providing innovative product but also really set up brands that make people feel, wow, no one has done that in the past. And most importantly is the giving back part is what we care tremendously. We want to set up as a sustainable brand that ahead of the game that eventually when we talk about fashion again, we're not talking about this is the second most polluted uh, industry, but we can talk about this this brand lead that trend to really disrupt this industry and I hope our name will be one of that. Cool. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode, Yang. If you want to check out it's just J-U-S-T hyphen W-E-A-R-S dot com and our social media is just wears HQ. Nice. Alright, we'll awesome. check them out guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fit. For more updates, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eFitterApp or follow us with the hashtag TheFitPod. Don't forget to like us, rate us, comment, engage however you listen to your podcasts. It's really important for us so that we can get the word out there. See you soon. Bye.